So if you're enjoying, appreciating, benefiting from this series of short talks by Padma Vajra on the life and liberation of Padma Sambhava, him channeling these lightning flashes from the blue beyond, then please do consider making a donation to Padma Loka. We're still in uh, uncertain financial times. This year we lost our main source of income, uh, our retreat income, and even though people are starting to return to Padma Loka now, uh, our costs have considerably gone up. Uh, given the various measures that we have to put in place. So although we've benefited enormously from people's generosity uh, throughout the year, we really need to keep that stream of generosity flowing. So do please consider giving what you can. You can do that by following the link that's attached to this video or beneath in our YouTube channel or visiting our website and making a one-off donation or taking out a monthly standing order. Thank you. He gave the heart of his life, and having been bound by oath, he was given a hundred treasures to watch over. As his secret name, he was called Major Vajra of Great Power. So this is the conclusion of Padmasambhava's battle with the Naga king named Chalk Colour. And there are very similar lines that conclude his battles with the gods and demons. They give the heart of their lives, he binds them by oath, and he gives them treasures to watch over. It's worth looking at the sequence of Padmasambhava's mastering of the gods. First of all, there is a great magical battle. It's incredibly violent. The god or goddesses, or a whole army of them, attack the guru. Uh, if we were there, they just wouldn't bother. Uh, we're not a threat. So they just leave us alone. We they, they wouldn't need to do anything. But the Vajra Guru, the Siddha, reality, is a real threat. So they attack and they are violent. They want to destroy him. And it can be like this. Sometimes, inside or outside, it's actually a sign of progress if there's a strong kickback from the energies within ourselves or the energies outside of us. It means that the world and our worldly nature knows that we're starting to practice seriously. So the first response when we get a strong kickback is don't lose your nerve. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Think of Padmasambhava's steady gaze. His steady gaze, his delighted gaze, looking into the scene. He, of course, knows immediately what to do. He's got all the magic arts, the enlightened magic arts, available to him. It might not be so clear to us. We need to look and see, maybe get help from friends, when the great surges of rebellion arise. When the demon or demoness gets tired in the magical battle, when they know that they can't win, then they change. They change. Naga King Chalk Colour turned from a lizard, a great white lizard, a great dragon, into a beautiful child wearing a turquoise hairnet and a turban of white silk absolutely exquisite. 
He prostrated before the Guru and circumambulated him and he offered a feast to him, a Gana Chakra, a circular feast. Inside the demon, inside the God, is something of great beauty and purity that has been longing to find someone worthy of reverence, someone to look up to and to worship and serve and live for. But they've never found someone worthy of such reverence and service, so they always act up. Could it be that all the violence and chaos of our world in us is there because we've never truly found, never found a truly wise and glorious sovereign, someone, something we can really elect to follow, someone not of this world, something not of this world, not defined by this world. Padmasambhava is called the sovereign of the visible world, the master of all appearances and of all existence. In a devotional text of the great Dujom Rinpoche, one of Bhante's teachers, he, Dujom Rinpoche describes him as the sovereign because of his beauty. His beauty overwhelms all appearances. This, he says this, he sings this, the vivid splendour of your body in form, the rupakaya, arrayed with the major and minor marks of physical perfection, overwhelms all other appearances in existence. The gods and goddesses and demons and darkenies are enchanted and fascinated by Padmasambhava. And this, of course, is the real meaning of the Mandala principle. In the Mandala principle, you have the Buddha form, the deity, sitting in a great, or standing in a great palace on the top of a central mountain. It's reality in the most beautiful of forms, surrounded by beauty, by life the gods and the demons and genies and spirits of place. We need this, we need them, and they enrich the mandala, they make it more vivid. <coughs> Dear, this is weird. The demon not only turned himself into a beautiful being and made offerings, the text said, says repeatedly, he gave the heart of his life and was bound by an oath, or she gave the heart of her life and she was bound by an oath. This is a hugely significant detail. He gave the heart of his life, she gave the heart of her life. The word heart the word translated as heart is Ningpo in Tibetan, which can also mean essence. The original Sanskrit would be Hridaya, meaning heart. The gods and goddesses give their heart essence. They give the life of their life to Padmasambhava. They cannot help themselves. Interestingly, in a guru yoga prayer of the great Jigme Lingpa, the devotee does the same. We do the same when we worship Padmasambhava. 
Please listen to me, precious Guru Rinpoche. You are the most precious, most glorious embodiment of the compassion and blessings of all the Buddhas. You are the sole protector and Lord of all sentient beings. Without any hesitation or restraint, I offer to you now my possessions, my body, my lungs, my heart, my chest, my very being. I offer you myself completely. Ningpo not only translates heart and essence, it also translates the Sanskrit word bija, which means seed, here meaning seed syllable, a single mantra sound, a single mantra sound. This is the real name, the heart name of the god or goddess. They give their hearts, they give their names. And so Padmasambhava knows them because he knows their names, he can master them. He knows how to call them, how to summon them. He binds them because he knows their names. They've given them, they've given him their names. We need to know the real names of things, the real names of the world around us, the real names of the forces within and without us. We are so lost at times, so confused, because we don't know the names. We, don't, we can't identify accurately the forces around us. We might think we do. We might have a sophisticated psychological language, lots of labels, but we still haven't found the name, the heart name, the magic name. So the force continues to resist us, maybe even taunts us and laughs at us. Perhaps the finding of the name will not involve any conceptualization. I think of a dream, a very significant dream, must have been significant because I still recall it. Many years ago, in the dream I was in a shrine room in the place where I was living at the time. And in this shrine room there appeared a man swathed in white bandages, coming towards me with arms outstretched, moving swiftly towards me, like an Egyptian mummy, like out of some terrible horror, horror film. I was terrified. But I somehow knew it was communicated to me that this was the result of someone who'd practiced the Dharma wrongly. They knew all the words of the Dharma, but they did not really live the life of the Dharma. And so they had become a mummy, a zombie, and they were going to destroy me. I knew he would suffocate me, and I looked around to defend myself. I saw a crystal on the shrine. I can remember its facets. I could see the rainbows reflected in it. It was the only weapon there. I picked it up. It was heavy, and I hurled it at the mummy coming inexorably towards me. And as soon as the crystal left my hand, it became a luminous green vajra, a vajra of green light which flew at the advancing figure, which vanished as soon as the vajra hit it. I walked over to where the figure had been. On the floor was a large grey rock from which 
precious jewels were emerging as if they were growing out of the out of the rock the dream i think actually was a kind of warning even a kind of portent it was making me aware of something it was saying this is what you need to be aware of if i carried on in the way that i was going because at that time i was neglecting acting consistently from loving kindness the demon was me i was the money, mummy i was what banti once called the specter of buddhism the ghost of buddhism or i was on the way there but even within that even within that there was the possibility of a jewel emerging if i could throw hurl the vajra of transformation at the mummy get to know your demons and demonesses your gods and goddesses name them let them offer the heart of their lives bind them with oaths this is the samaya this is what the oath is this is the samaya this is the solemn bond made between the guru and the demon in this case by the demon with the guru the demon has taken an oath to serve the dharma the guru is binding him with this oath he has taken an oath to protect the treasures of the dharma an oath that if broken will destroy him their very existence now the gods and the demons the transformed uh, gods and demons their very existence now is bound up with serving the guru with serving the dharma so naga king chalk color was given a hundred treasures to watch over a hundred dharma treasures to watch over and was given a secret name by the guru he was called major vajra of great power a hundred treasures presumably dharma teachings buddha images sacred objects to be discovered in the future for the men and women of future time and given a new a secret name that only the guru knows